Welcome, market participants, to another Three Things in Credit. I'm Van Hesser, Chief Strategist at KBRA. Each week, we bring you three things impacting credit markets that we think you should know about. Now, before we jump into our three things, a reminder of an event we think you should know about, our upcoming webinar examining BDC funding and liquidity. As you know, KBRA is a leader in rating business development companies, private credit funds, middle market CLOs, and asset managers. This event is our first in what will be a series of events covering the increasingly important world of private credit. The date for our BDC funding and liquidity webinar is Thursday, September 15th, 10 a.m. New York time. Register for free on our website. Again, Thursday, September 15th, 10 a.m. All right, in a week that many of us have taken time to reflect on humility, dignity, and grace, our three things are, one, credit crunch. How real is it? Two, growth slowdown. Tightening is starting to bite. And three, corporate earnings. Estimates have to come down. What is the risk to credit? All right, let's dig a bit deeper. Junk loan defaults trigger jitters about a credit crunch. That headline in 64 font screamed out from the front page of the Wall Street Journal this week and quite frankly caught us by surprise. Yes, defaults are on the rise. How could they not be, having been driven down to negligible levels during the COVID period of extraordinary stimulus-fueled growth and unprecedented federal support backstopping credit markets? Well, two observations. One, the headline distorts reality and is intentionally inflammatory. And two, we're not suffering jitters thinking about credit crunch. A bit of perspective here is in order. At the risk of stating the blindingly obvious, companies go bust due to flawed business models and or excessive financial risk, the former dominating the latter. Sure, valuable companies can go bust when levered inappropriately, but that's not usually the case as valuable companies by definition have financial flexibility. Management, of course, influences both business model and financial choices. But here's the other swing factor, liquidity. When it's abundant, as has been the case for the vast majority of the longest economic expansion on record, X a couple of months at the outset of COVID, flawed business models can persist for years. And throw in explicit support for credit, as was the case in 2020, and capitalism's creative destruction is impeded. Zombies proliferate, mucking up the competitive waters for valuable firms. But that's another story. What's relevant to this discussion and this headline is that excess liquidity is being drained by central banks and investors have become more discerning. Investors are now modeling for recession as a base case and, no great surprise, not all companies are making the cut. And with expectations of a central bank dovish pivot or a substantial injection of stimulus unlikely for at least a year, defaults are going to normalize. Our current KBRA Altman one-year-ahead default forecast stands at 3.76%, and previous default rate peaks in the U.S. average 12%. As far as credit crunch is concerned, this might be a case of semantics, but we think of credit crunch as something that happens when credit is curtailed substantially. Usually, that involves bank regulators stepping in and materially restricting lending at banks due to what regulators see as lax, ineffective loan underwriting. That was clearly the case in the global financial crisis. In that environment, credit becomes scarce, 
and a negative feedback loop begins. Now, we don't anticipate significant credit crunch in the most likely scenario of this current cycle. The financial system is in solid shape, well-capitalized and reserved, and without sizable risk concentrations. It has the ability to lend. The capital markets have clearly become more discerning, but have not shut down for durable credits, nor do we expect it to. And private credit market alternatives have become a bona fide pillar of credit markets that just so happens to be awash in liquidity. Now, obviously, how the economic slowdown rolls out over the next 12 months is to be determined. Given the strength of consumers and businesses and the financial system, we are not anticipating a more severe than average downturn. All right, on to our second thing. Tightening is starting to bite. Now, remarkably, the Fed only began to tighten monetary policy in March. Typically, it takes 6 to 18 months for the effects of that tightening to flow through the economy. That puts this cycle's kickoff at right about now. So how are we doing? Actually, we saw the effects of the central bank's pivot months ago with its effect on the housing market. Proof that jawboning works, the change in housing dynamics has been dramatic. Mortgage applications are down 63% year-on-year to levels last seen in 1999. Pending home sales have fallen in eight of the past nine months and are down 23% year-on-year. This taking place in a sector that accounts for 15 to 18% of GDP. And it should come as no surprise that home-building stocks are off nearly 30% from their recent peak. Now, we see the anticipation of the growth slowdown in the commodities complex, which in the aggregate has fallen 14% from its recent peak in mid-June. This, despite disruption continuing to come from the Russian-Ukrainian war. Energy, food, metals, all showing weakness, all reflecting the global economic slowdown. We see slowdown in the Fed's beige book, where economic activity in July was unchanged, with five of the Fed's 12 districts reporting slight to modest growth and five reporting slight to modest softening. But here's something that surprised us. The outlook for future economic growth remained generally weak, the Beige Book reported, with contacts noting expectations for further softening of demand over the next 6 to 12 months. Evidence of growth slowdown. Oh, and 9 of 12 districts reported some degree of moderation in the rate of increase in prices, and there were widespread reports of a slowing in the rate of increase in wages. Again, evidence of the slowdown. So we came in unched. Oops, sorry for the lapse into trader talk. We came in unchanged, but we're going out weak. This is all leaning on credit. All right, on to our third thing. Corporate earnings under pressure, but by how much? I don't know if you know this, but there are some significant bears out there, those that believe that risk is still way too rich, warning that stocks could fall another 25% in a recession. That view is derived from concern not only on multiple, but earnings as well. They believe earnings have to come down under pressure from tightening financial conditions and negative operating leverage that comes from declining sales and rising costs. I can't say we would disagree. The question is, by how much? How much will corporate earnings come off in 2023, and how would we view credit as a result? Well, the first thing to consider is the starting point. Corporate earnings are starting at a historically high level, having reached a record $2.6 trillion in the second quarter and a record high 12% of GDP. 
Now, if we look at the S&P 500, the 2023 consensus EPS estimate is forecast to be $241 a share. That's up 6% from 2022's estimate of $226. That 2023 estimate, theoretically into the thick of the slowdown, if not recession, has come down just 3% from its peak in mid-June. Ordinarily, earnings in a recession fall around 20% from the previous peak. Point is, in the aggregate, corporate earnings' recent surge provides a cushion, a buffer that will limit the impact on credit, we think, overall. This is not to say that when the tide goes out, we won't see swimmers swimming naked, to borrow a well-worn adage from Warren Buffett. We will, back to our earlier discussion highlighting the vulnerability of flawed business models and aggressive leverage. But as far as credit is concerned in the aggregate, corporates are still playing with a bit of house money left over from all of that stimulus, and that will ultimately help limit the damage in the double B and higher quality spectrum. So there you have it. Three things in credit. One, credit crunch. We would have to see unexpectedly significant economic deterioration to get there. Two, growth slowdown. Central bank tightening is starting to bite. And three, corporate earnings. Estimates have to come down, but the starting point should limit the impact to credit. As always, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to check in on KBRA.com for our latest research and ratings reports. See you next week.